2: Hello, welcome to this Cricket Badger India vs England daily podcast, by the fans, for the fans. Virat Kohli's India, with Rohit Sharma, Jaspreet Bumrah and Ravi Ashwan, and young starlets like Rishabh Pant and Shubman Gill. They play host to Joe Roots England, with Jimmy Anderson, Ben Stokes, Stuart Broad and young talents like Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley. It's always England's toughest tour, good luck to both sides, may the best team win.
1: Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the India Against England daily podcast. I am James Butler, the cricket badger, and we have just seen the first of three one-day internationals in Pune with India coming back and winning the game by 66 runs. I'm joined today by England fan badger Ash Turner and India fan badger Neil Varani. Let's start off with the winning side, shall we? Neil, it's starting to turn into a little bit of a a horrible tour for England. They're getting themselves into good positions and throwing it away at the moment. 135 for no loss, England were, and India ended up winning by 66 runs. That's quite some comeback.
0: It it was a little bit of a collapse, yeah, but I think... I think that's exaggerated a bit by how good England were in those first 12 overs. And I think it's, uh, it's also showing how lopsided the India attack is, because you can see real respect being given to Bovee, and then they're absolutely going after um, the other bowlers. And when and that was got working balling, as well, wasn't it?
1: That was working when Bovee's bowling beautifully and they are treating him as such, but then they really try to take down the others. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking you know, one of
0: the best white ball partnerships, certainly of this generation, possibly ever, and a very green bowling lineup apart from Bovee. So in that sense, it's a little bit of a mismatch and they really, really did go after them on a very good
1: pitch. Ash at 135 for no loss with Johnny Bairstow flying. It was looking pretty good for England, wasn't it?
2: It was looking absolutely fantastic. i had uh, to put it mildly, I think we were at one point thinking, wow, it, even with three or four key players missing, we're, we're looking great because we've still got players like Bairstow out there. But I think England can at best say it was disappointing how we went from such a strong position to ending up being not only beaten, but in the end, beaten comfortably, Um, and I think some people may even say, or players may even come out and feel a little bit embarrassed that that's that's how it's ended in the end. Well, that's not how Owen
1: Morgan saw it in the post-match interview, and I've had a couple of tweets suggesting, that was a massacre, England are on the floor, it's a disgrace, England have got to it's going to take England more than two years to come back from this, they are um, so much worse than India. I don't subscribe to that, because I don't think there was a huge amount in this game, you get like little twists in one-day games, don't you, and yeah, depending on which way that goes, a team can end up with a, a bigger victory than than maybe if the twist had gone the other way. Owen Morgan was saying, and it's very much like going back a few years when he, t- you know, that that four-year period going up to the World Cup, when he said, that's how we're going to play. I'd much prefer to lose by 66 runs, he said, than lose by 15 or 20 runs, playing a little bit more conservatively and then regretting not being a bit more adventurous. And we've seen him say stuff like that in the past before. And it's obviously worked out quite nicely for England with the World Cup in their back pocket. So I guess it's a case for England fans of trusting Owen Morgan. He tends to know what he's talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I understand what you're saying and you say it's clearly worked, worked for for England but I do think it still must be concerning for him and for some of the players that we've collapsed as we have and in a game where we look so comfortable we've, we've not come out on top or not even got close to it I, it's still got to be a concern for them and I think although we were, obviously we went to won the World Cup we were brilliant but you look back at the World Cup and actually in the end it wasn't it wasn't this
1: Oh he's dropped off he's disappeared on his now I'll come back to you with the same on the same theme Neil I don't know if you heard Owen Morgan's comments there as I say very much like um, in the previous uh, um, before the World Cup that's how Owen Morgan is isn't it he sees this You know, he's talking about one day cricket is always moving forward England are trying to do the same thing they're trying to put that kind of fearless cricket that positive brand of cricket 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 on the table, some days it's just not going to work, is it?
0: And it's very similar to comments that he made back in 2015 or 2016 when the Morgan era really started it in a series against New Zealand. And I think England in one of those games were out for 300 odd after 42 overs. And he said he'd much prefer that have the possibility of getting 350, 360, then scraping through to 300 just to see out the 50.
1: Uh, yeah, for England fans listening to this, and for Indian fans obviously interested, the way Owen I mean, Morgan, that, that four-year period went, there were a couple of games that didn't go right. And Owen I mean, Morgan said things along those lines. Of, I don't mind us being battered occasionally if we're playing it the right way. Because ultimately, if we play it that way... All of the time and everybody kind of buys into that kind of process it will work out okay and as I said to Ash you know trusting Owen Morgan he tends to know what he's doing he's a, he's a clever clever man and yeah, he, he will obviously be disappointed today by a 66-run defeat, but they will come out and play exactly the same way in game number two.
0: And this is against the arguably the best team, or the, if not then the second best team in the world, in my opinion, in their own backyard. I don't think England were that far away uh, in the end. The numbers of runs are, are quite big in the end, but the required run rate never really got ridiculous because of what Roy and had done in the end, you know, things drop a couple of meters, one side or the other. And, uh, People get away. It could have got very, very close. I don't think there was anything inherently wrong in what England did.
1: No, and I, I mean sometimes the margin is irrelevant, really, isn't it? I and mean, I guess that's what Owen Morgan's saying: I prefer to lose by a hundred runs and give it a go than to lose by one run and and regret, uh, regret not doing it right.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it matters how many necessarily you lose by. I guess it was more not necessarily the, the manner about which they went about it to England today, I think it was more concerning maybe the manner in which they, they managed to. To, to lose the wickets in the, the way that they did. It wasn't necessarily, I would say, trying to be Overly attacking or overly aggressive—it just seemed like shots where we weren't fully committed, which is something I guess we've come to not expect from England. I would expect.
1: I, I, I'd suggest Ash actually. I mean, now in Morgan's words, i totally subscribe to that. If that's the way he wants his team to be, England have had success in the past. No problem with that at all. But like you, I felt that a couple of the shots were a little bit half-hearted, and at times, I mean, the, at some stage, the run rate got down to less than a run a ball, and they started to knock it around a little bit and, and be a little bit uh, kind of rebuildy, which isn't though in Morgan's way. He would. He would be thinking in the dressing room. Come on, Moe and Ali, come on Sam Billings, get on top, they? You know, so, so if you get to play that way, then you play that way.
2: Yeah, I think that's what is the concern is that we've we're expecting this fully committed gung ho approach to it and that's obviously what Morgan wants and that's totally fine cuz it does work for us and we know it does. But as you say we, for me we seemed like we almost We weren't quite fully committed to that approach. They say Billings and Moeen just sort of nudged it around for a while. Stokes, Roy, how they got out wasn't necessarily going for sort of massive big shots. It was almost sort of forced a little. It just didn't feel like they were fully committed and they were trying to make sixes.
1: I think Stokes and Morgan are actually woefully out of form at the moment with the bat.
2: Yeah, I think that is probably sort of England's big concern there's a lot of talk about it being oh it's two left-handers and such but actually I think it's just the case that the two of our best probably middle order batsmen we've ever had in white ball cricket but they've both played very little white ball cricket recently especially in that sort of role and I think they're just they're just out of form they're out of touch and as good as they are they need that little bit of game time they need probably a knock or two to go their way and get themselves back into form and without them England are always going to struggle because they are such big players for them
1: Badgers are furry creatures 85% of women Badgers think bad grooming is a major turn off 80% of women Badgers think men should trim below the belt 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success don't just dismiss it out of hand get on there manscaped.com check out their great range of male grooming accessories hygiene appearance attractiveness confidence simply go to manscaped.com quote the discount code badger you get 20 percent off you get free shipping and you get some seriously quality equipment manscaped.com together we save balls Neil, at halfway, did you think India's 317 for five was enough? I
0: thought it was good. I thought that India would squeak home, but I thought it was going to be quite close. I'm not sure how much dew affects the um, the pitch in. Uh, in Pune, around this time of year, apparently there was a bit there at the end. Um, given the game situation, it didn't make a huge amount of difference. Well,
1: and that's what Owen I mean, Morgan said, wasn't it? That they never really got to actually take advantage of that because they'd already almost battered themselves out of the game by then.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought that. Um, I thought it was par, and that was probably coloured quite a bit by um, DK saying uh, that's what he thought. A good score would be. They'd given themselves a. A good score to defend um, there, especially considering how
1: inexperienced some of the attack was. One moment kind of is always going to stay in my head from today. I mean, first of all, before we go on to that bit, that every debutant that India throw into the mix at the moment is coming up smelling of roses, aren't they? Surya Kimi yadav walks into the T20s and, and plays a beautiful innings. You've got Ishan Kishan doing the same thing. You've got in this game, Krunal Pandya making his debut and, and playing absolutely brilliantly from the off and of course with the ball as well um, something I tweeted about before the game started Prasid Krishna is, uh, came in and, and bowled absolutely beautifully after taking a little bit of tap early on but Krunal Pandy is the guy today isn't he? He came in and you could see when he took his cap before the game he raised it to the skies obviously back in January Harik and Krunal lost their father and their father was pretty instrumental as, as in most families this is not it's not like it's a, a one-off story but he'd relocated he'd sold his business he'd put a lot into his boys playing cricket and really sort of devoted his life effectively to furthering their cricket careers to obviously fantastic effect they've been stars for the Mumbai Indians um, for a long time now and hardik has been in the India team for a long time now but this was Krunel's debut in the ODIs for, for India raises his cap to the skies in, in memory of his dad goes up there and, and smashes 58 off 31 balls seven fours and two sixes um, I don't think England particularly bowled very well after him, but he still bludgeoned them absolutely beautifully. But the moment that is always going to stick with me is when he raised his bat, Hardik Pandya's face with a little smile on it was just an absolute treat. was just watching his brother and and there was that little brotherly love there. And then when he came off and he did his interview, he just couldn't get the words out, could he? Because he said, I dedicate this innings to my dad and then burst into tears. And then you saw the pictures of um, him giving, or Hardik coming over and giving him a massive hug. That was just beautiful, wasn't
0: it? It was a really poignant moment there. I think most of us uh, seem to get something in our eyes around around that time. I think I'd heard it um, possibly on Twitter um, a few months ago but um, hadn't really hadn't really noticed. But obviously it's uh, still very raw for them both as, uh, as you'd imagine it would be. I was saying on uh, our chat before that I'm amazed how these people uh, managed to uh, go out and perform. We saw Siraj do it in Australia. I know Virat had to do it. Ben Stokes before the IPL last year. Somehow uh, it seems to drive them to even grace
1: performance. I mean, there's a number of examples in the Indian compound elsewhere of people that have lost people close to them and have gone out almost hours later and, and played beginnings. And in in a way, it almost strikes me. I mean, I, thankfully, my, both of my parents are still alive, and hopefully that continues for a long time. And I'm dreading the day that they, you know, that they go because inevitably, at some stage, they will. But it seems to me that they throw themselves back into cricket and kind of like do it for the do it for their mum, do it for their dad, and get back into a kind of safe environment that they know almost to take it almost take their mind off it but they're doing it for that reason it's, it's a very complicated grieving process but it's uh, it, it just brings up some incredible stories is not it? It does add a
0: little bit more to a performance when when you find out afterwards that they had to battle through it and especially when you consider the, the level of focus that these guys need to play with at that level against really top class opposition it's yeah it's just a wonderful um, it's a wonderful tribute to what their dad gave up to uh, to get them both to this stage.
1: I mean, actually, if their daddy's sitting on a cloud somewhere, I mean, I don't know what happens after you die. I've never really kind of worked that out, really, in my own head. But I know other people have incredible faith. And if that does exist and there is a cloud somewhere with um, Pandya Senior sitting on it, he's going to be rather a proud man tonight, isn't
2: he? Yeah, he must be extremely, extremely proud. Krunal's been immense today, I would dare say possibly been the match winning because without that fifty eight, I think it would have been a much, much easier target for England to chase and they may probably would have got Got home with probably a target of, say, 50 less. Played really well, and he's probably, if anything, overdue his debut for India. And it's just good that he's been able to now have that debut, perform well, and be able to dedicate such a good performance to his dad, who I'm sure is extremely proud of him, as will be the rest of his family, and then his brother Hardik, who's played alongside him today. My name is Jacob, and I sent the badger a message, and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger.
1: It's almost like they gave the man of the match to Shikha Darwin. Not that he doesn't deserve it because he got 98 and was instrumental as well, but they didn't want to give it to Krunel, So they didn't want to have to, to interview Krunel again and, and risk not getting an interview again because obviously the way he broke down in tears, they, they kind of tried to give him a couple of seconds and gave him another couple of seconds and realised actually this isn't actually great telly watching somebody cry live on telly, is it? So they quite rightly came away from it. it it's obviously very raw, very fresh only a couple of months ago and it means a massive amount to him.
2: Clearly means a lot to him. Obviously, there's been the stories about how his dad gave up so much for, for Hardik and Kroonel and I, th- I think it, there's an episode more or less sort of dedicated towards the Pandya brothers in the Cricket Fever documentary where they talk about how much the the mum and dad and especially the dad did for them so obviously it means a a huge amount to to Kroonel and also to Hardik and it must be feel so good as well as also very sad but so good to be able to go out and perform like that and almost sort of repay his dad's dedication towards him and be able to make him so proud.
1: Himanshu Pandya sold the family car business and moved the family to a different city to get the brothers closer to good coaching when they were still very, very young. It was a financial struggle for the Pandyas throughout their youth. Himanshu had three heart attacks before Hardik was 18 and had to stop working. So a lot of financial strife there nailed to kind of get them to where they are. Obviously, those finances have been more than recouped with the money they're making these days. I mean, this is a story when I'm talking to people from any background in any country about how they got into cricket, who was the, who was the role model, who, who got them to where they are. Invariably, it's the mum or dad that come up and it's the same story over and over again. But with the pandas, it obviously involved a lot of hardship, really.
0: I've read a lot of these stories from some of the guys who uh, who've made it up from very underprivileged um, backgrounds, and the amount of sacrifices that their families have made for them in the past is is quite unbelievable at times. We can see the uh, the end result: We've got two guys who've made wonderful livings for themselves, um, playing at the highest level for their country and for their franchises, and at that point. I'm sure the parents feel that it was worth
1: it. I mean, Jasper Bummer as well features on that uh, Cricket Fever documentary that um, Ash mentioned a few moments ago, and I think on that he's walking through some of his old stamping grounds with his mother who brought him up on her own, and you know, he came from fairly lowly beginnings and has obviously made himself into a multi-multi-millionaire now. Yeah, It's it's a common story, isn't it? The IPL is giving so much to some of these people that come from pretty much nothing, and all of a sudden have bank accounts that are what anybody else would dream about.
0: One great story that I'd heard was before the last IPL Jaiswal who was the under 19 superstar yeah. and I believe the youngest player ever to get a list a double century he had to leave home move across the country and was living in a tent on the outfield to make it as a, a young cricketer it's proper Dick Whittington stuff some of these stories uh truly amazing to,
1: to hear. I, I guess though, Ash, we, we hear about the ones that come up trumps, don't we? I mean, I, in my book, where I look at the fathers and sons following on in the footsteps of cricketing Fathers available in animism by James Butler, we'll talk about Serena Williams and the fact that, and, and Venus Williams, obviously, the fact that their, her father was sat watching the TV one day and was watching some kind of remote women's tennis final, just flicking through the channels, ended up landing on it and staying on it, and saw the woman, uh, the winner picking up a check for something like $50,000 and thought, hey, that's not a and um, when we have kids, um, let's let's get them into tennis. If that comes up, Trumps, then happy days. Long before um, Venus and Serena were born, he, he he created a master plan about how he was going to make them into tennis players. And as soon as Venus was old enough, they were down to the courts. He got a whole shopping trolley full of tennis balls. He he in the in the meantime got himself coached up and was ready to kind of take them up to a certain level. And then obviously the rest is history too. The most famous well, female sport stars generally of all time, we hear the success stories, don't we? There must be plenty of other examples of fathers that have done exactly that or, you know, a lot of hardship that's gone on to try and push a player to a certain level that hasn't come up trumps as well. So out, out there, there's probably a lot of people watching Criminal Today thinking that could have been me.
2: Yeah, I think that's the thing. You, you can't, not every person who who gives up as much as as that or goes through those hardships can go on to be a world-famous a world-class athlete. So there must be many, many more who sadly haven't made it. But I guess as much as they may sit at home and think, "Oh, that could have been me," I guess it's also must be great to sit there and think, "Oh, that's that's someone like me who's gone who's gone on and done it." Fair play to them. They've almost sort of representing that sort of person, and often that working-class person that on sort of the top stages and they're now role models to to other youngsters it must be good to see that even if you weren't one of the ones that's to make it sadly it's almost you've got to have that sort of personality trait that you want to know you want to be able to say that no matter what you have got no regrets you've given it your all I think that's what's obviously very key and watched shines Through with the Pandias with Jasper Bummer, with a lot of these top stars that have they've dedicated themselves and even if they hadn't made it they, would have, they made sure that no matter what they'd always be able to tell themselves that they've got no regrets they've given it their all
1: and, and for most of us we get into wine, women and song at a certain age and uh, dreams of playing professional cricket and captaining England in the ashes go for a Burton or is, or is that just me Neil? I don't know I don't know BlackRatCricket.com. Handmade English Willow Bats. They do have a cashmere range for bats 0 to 4. Starter kit all the way to pro level kits They're based in Yorkshire. There is team wear available. And there is a new signature range coming soon in February. Bats made by cricketers for cricketers. Make 2021 count with BlackRat Cricket. I'm going further forward with this um, ODI series. There is a subplot to this, which we actually didn't mention in in the preview pod um, because I actually hadn't done my research at the time. If India win this series three 0 Neil, they will usurp England as the number one ODI ranked side. And so there, there is a, an incentive for Owen Morgan, who is obviously holding the World Cup and has been the number one side for a while now, to at least get one game out of this series and, and to avoid dropping off the top spot. I
0: get the feeling that Owen Morgan isn't particularly bothered about that, as long as what he gets out of the series works towards his long. I don't long-term. believe that, Neil. <laughs> I don't
1: believe that. I think. I think. He is is very bothered about that.
0: No, all that matters to him now is, uh, as far as the ODI team, is the 2023 and having as much good groundwork in place. He's looking
1: proper long-term here. Ash, come in, come in, Ash, come in. Do you think he's bothered? I think
2: a little bit of him is always going to be bothered because he's highly competitive. You, I don't think there's a professional sportsman or woman out there who does not want to be number one in the world. I do think that he is almost a little bit strange in the fact that it does appear he is more long-term planning, which suggests that he maybe isn't as bothered as maybe the rest of us would be. And so I can sort of understand what Neil's saying that, yes, he'll want to be number one, but... I also think he, he does. He does seem to be more more interested in the long term plan. So I think he is probably treating it as more as prep and not too concerned. Which I can't say I'd be the same, but he seems that's that's the way he works.
1: I'm outvoted, listeners. I'm outvoted. Tell us what you think. At cricket underscore badger. Is Owen Morgan bothered about staying at world number one over the next couple of weeks?
0: Just I- one thing on on that. If he was really bothered about the ODI team over the next couple of years, Liam Plunkett still be playing and not qualifying for the USA. I think he's been dumped because um, because they feel he won't make it oh, in uh, uh, there's uh,
1: Undoubtedly that. Undoubtedly that. But that doesn't mean he doesn't want to win in the meantime. Um, I mean, oh, Liam, no. Plunk- Liam Plunkett's a fine player. He was pivotal, pivotal to that England World Cup win, one of the unsung heroes, I think, because he bowled the middle overs, the unglamorous overs, really did pudsy, but he didn't uh, necessarily take the headlines that some of the other players did because they were there at the start or end of the game. But he was absolutely huge to that. But I think they made, they've they sat down and Liam Plunkett, David Willey and a few others. I mean, David Willey's not, not that old, to be honest. He could quite easily be in there. But for some reason or other, they've made a judgment call on Liam Plunkett. They've made a judgment call on David Willey. And they've said, we're going to go without them. And, and we're going to play the currents. we're going to play Jordan, we're going to play other people in their stead, and that's who we're going to invest in. And as I say, kind of, you go back to, you can criticise all of these things now, can't you, after a 66-run defeat, and you can say, it's not looking quite right. If we go back to 2015, 2016, there were times on that path to the Lord's final, Ash, where same things happened. But because Owen Morgan was so single-minded and because he believed in the players that he trusted in, they got to that Lord's final and they won it. So you, you can kind of criticise today, but reluctant to criticise today, when you know in a couple of years' time, Owen Morgan will be in fine
2: fail. Yeah, I think that's what makes it difficult. I think as a fan, you watch today and you think, oh, you've got, you want to be concerned, you want to be worried about about the fact that we've we've lost and the fact that we lost from such a strong position. But then, as you say, this all happened in the build-up to the last World Cup and we ended up as as world champions. So I think it's about having to obviously trust the process that Owen Morgan has come come up with. But as part of that process, there's going to be some short-term losses along the way. And I think that's why, again, I sort of agree with Neil that Morgan will want to be number one in the world, but it'll be secondary to his long-term plan. He, he he is very much sort of geared towards that long-term plan and he works in these two to four-year cycles. He doesn't work on, I want to be world number one at the end of the series. And so that's maybe why some of the decisions seem a little bit strange in the long term or what obviously Owen Morgan believes and has proven in the past is what's going to lead us to to be a successful team in those big tournaments,
1: Neil. If this you, is what I want for India. Well, I was going to, I was going to come on to that. If you look at India, yeah, they they are playing the same brand of cricket they've always played, aren't they? Obviously, Owen Morgan's trying to keep that fearless attacking cricket going through the England side. Obviously, it hasn't paid off today, but probably more often than not, it will pay off. But India is still quite one-dimensional in in their in their attack. They lay a foundation and they try and launch off the back of it, and then they try and bowl tidy overs. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. They win a lot of games playing that way. So I- but if you look at the kind of the plan, put it this way, if Owen Morgan was in charge of that Indian side, Shikha Dhawan would be out, wouldn't he? Shubham Gill would probably be opening. They would be pruning and they would be planning for two years' time. There doesn't look to be a lot of planning in that camp at the minute.
0: I don't put that um, down to the management as we see them uh, in Shastri and Kohli. I think if Owen Morgan were captain of India, he'd resign within six months. <laughs> it, it's all so, yeah, so you. flighty. You
1: change your mind over. Every every series, um, I mean, this is what the, the the guy said the other day that it's very well. He scored a few runs. Let's get him in. He's had a good IPL. Let's get a, him in. And there's no kind of long term planning. They don't invest in people. They invest in whoever's the flavour of the month at the time.
0: Yeah, and there's a lots of lot of knee jerk decisions. I and mean, looking back at the last World Cup, I mean, we'd spent a year, two years with Ambati Rayudu nailed on. He come through with flying colours in New Zealand when we'd got pretty much hammered on green pitches where it seemed and the ball swung for Bolton, the like, and he'd been absolutely brilliant. And then suddenly he's not someone who can bowl or he's a little bit less agile, but still fit enough. And Vijay Shankar gets brought in out of nowhere. And it's this kind of thing where India just shoot themselves in the foot because we've got 1.6% billion people of which the majority love cricket. We've got the biggest pool of talent in the world. We should be with a good system and smart long-term management always competing at the top. And a lot of time we haven't. There's almost too many choices, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. We've come through this amazing T20 series just now and people are still complaining because someone didn't get a chance or your personal favorites. Uh, got dropped after a run of low scores there's no long-term view and there's a lot of politics in there with all the old greats given maybe more airtime and more heat than uh, than they
1: should be i'd like to finish off today by talking about the bcci and the broadcasting we've got a whatsapp group listeners and all of us are on it and we basically threw a match it's it's red hot because people are chirping up with various things. And it came up the other day that BCCI, I think it was Rito, wasn't it, put on the on the WhatsApp group that the BCCI are very, they almost censor the commentators and censor what they say. And there was a story that Rito put on about when Ian Chappell got offered a job, he'd, he'd asked for the details and they'd said, yeah, but you've got to abide by the, the rules and regs kind of thing. And he said, what are the rules and regs? And basically it was, you can't talk about India's approach to DRS, you can't talk about X, Y, Z, you can't be critical of the bcci and basically in chapel said well you can stick it then i'm not coming because i want to be able to actually say what i think on air and any good commentator reacts to what they see and brings their own personal opinion to the party that doesn't happen with the indian coverage does it apparently not no and i think a lot of people have their eyes
0: opened a bit uh, certainly uk-based people during the test series because we get mostly impartial uh, commentary from Sky. Um, I say that with a caveat that some of the pundits are more impartial than
1: others. Every broadcaster's got their own bugbears and their own their own kind of like agendas, haven't they? That is just their personalities and and their wishes. But to actually be told what you can say and what you can't say, I think is a is a totally different thing.
0: You may have issues with one pundit or the other. But that that doesn't seem to be a party line that they have to adhere to. Um, that's a really great thing and. Probably something that I took for granted um, watching in the UK. With the test series, we got uh, Channel 4 had the BCCI coverage. So we had Sonny and Harsha and a couple of uh, English voices in there, Graham Swan and uh, Nick Knight, I think were in there as well.
1: And Mark Butch was on for the first couple, wasn't he? Until he got axed because he said too much of (laughs) it. And and still
0: Butch noted that the the bull had flicked the glove and said it live on air and uh, then didn't get any more work. Yeah, it was quite partisan. And uh, I can appreciate the frustration that uh, some English fans may
1: have have felt. if If you say that... Um, on Twitter, you get a lot of backlash off the Indians. Because, but then that's all they know, isn't it? They they are respecting what Sonny Gavaska is saying because Sonny Gavaska, you know, fantastic player, incredible beacon of the game in India. No issue with that at all, but he's being very, very careful in what he says. He's very, very pro-India and he's very, very careful of not actually saying anything negative about them as well. And that's why when you're actually watching from England, he comes across as massively partisan in India. You won't notice that because that's what you've always had. Finally, um, the point today was, I was really disappointed with Sky's coverage today. And I hate to criticise commentators because I do commentary and I know, I love doing commentary, but I know it's, you know, you have to do some prep and stuff. But I, w- I couldn't believe it, Ash, where Bumble and, well, all of them, to be fair, apart from Dinesh Kartik, it was obvious they had no idea who Krunal Pandya was.
2: Yeah, I found it utterly, utterly bewildering because I mean, I've only really followed the IPL for the last couple of years and yet I I felt like I could tell you more about um, the Indian side and certainly about Colonel Pandya than... They
1: were were talking about him as if he was a a, a 21-year-old kid that was Hardick's younger brother, he's two years older. he's 30 tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was listening to Talk Sport while at work and again, they did the same, they spoke about all these Indian youngsters coming through, giving the first taste of cricket, real top level cricket in the IPL and then the thrown straight in and I'm thinking Krunal Pandya's been around for years Krunal Pandya's played several years yeah, it, it, they, it's they,
1: they, they've put in the hard yard so was Surya kumar Yadav they've been around a long time Neil haven't they
0: yeah absolutely and this is a massive bugbear of mine when you're getting paid to commentate on a match you know spend a little bit of time in an internet age where you have access to Crick Info other cricket sites also available and Google And God knows how many videos. uh, Sky owned the rights to the IPL. They've got all those videos on tap. Just spend a little bit of time and do your homework. I just want to put a shout out to Ian Bishop, who I think is probably the best prepared pundit out there. Um, If you ever watch the Under-19 World Cup, he actually knows about all the players, which is just and astonishing. I, and I think
1: if you cover those kind of events, I mean, I went out and covered the Emirates T20, where you get a lot of teams from different countries with a lot of people that you don't know in your own country. And that's when you have to put in the hard yards. That's when you have to actually Google these guys and find out about them. Otherwise, you find yourself having to write or talk or do whatever about them, not knowing who the hell you're talking about. And you don't want to be, as a broadcaster, you don't want to be in that sort of position. We are running out of time, chaps. Thank you, Neil and Ash, for joining me today. Always a pleasure to have you two on. We'll be back again tomorrow with the Daily Podcast, looking ahead to the last two. day internationals got the party on sunday as well the end the wrap party at the end of this series and uh, make sure you join us there some awards to be given out in that one as well i've been james the cricket badger and i'll see you again tomorrow
2: thanks for listening we will be back every day during england's tour of india get in touch on at cricket underscore badger on twitter we hope you are enjoying the cricket see you again tomorrow